Hi there, and welcome to the Higher Development Podcast with your hosts, Colton Swab and Gavin Aberatney. On this show, we'll share behind-the-scenes insights and lessons from our journeys in personal development, philosophy, mindset, and leadership. The goal with all of this is to help you integrate these various bodies of knowledge and reach a higher level of development so that you can live fully and in harmony with the world around you. Beyond learning from us, you also get insider access to experts in the fields of neuroscience, high performance, and much, much more, making this a place to learn candidly what you won't anywhere else. You can get access to the free resources we mentioned at highdevelopmentpodcast.com. So with all that said, let's get into today's episode. All right, guys, welcome to this episode. Very excited to have Shannon Bowman here. Uh, he's been mentioned on this podcast before. I've talked about him a few times, actually, as this, uh, you know, uh, mysterious psychotherapist who keeps feeding me all the uh, the insights about uh, trauma and ADHD and all these things. And um, <clears throat> I thought it finally would be good to have Shannon on. So, Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks for that, Gavin. I appreciate it. And I, I did listen in one time to one of your podcasts and I, I thought you were referring to me. So, yeah, thanks for that, Shannon. I appreciate that. Cool, cool. My pleasure. So, um, tell us a little bit about your practice. I first ran into you because I was leasing an office full of uh, psychotherapists and we met in the, uh, in the corridor one day. So yeah, what is exactly that you do? Yeah, so we've got a, a clinic in Geelong. So uh, we specialize in trauma. So we treat things like complex PTSD and PTSD. So our main focus is using eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR therapy. So help um, with trauma so people who have been through uh, maybe it's a a horrific assault or maybe it's a a history of childhood abuse or neglect so we support people through those kinds of concerns and EMDR is um, probably one of the uh, more dynamic uh, trauma focused therapies and it it tends to get um, results for the clients uh, in quicker way than maybe traditional talk therapy might. Cool. Yeah, very interesting. So <clears throat> I think I hear the word trauma and you talk about, yeah, devastating, you know, horrific injuries and uh, horrific sort of experiences. Um, but some of the conversations we've had, I found very interesting where you kind of talked about people being able to have trauma that maybe was less obvious, right? And you sort of alluded to it there, like childhood neglect. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about some of the more subtle forms of trauma that people may experience and how that kind of affects their life yeah yeah definitely and it's a it's an interesting thing because um we all have trauma um it's like a a big spectrum so trauma can be something as small as um well this might not actually be small to some people but getting bullied in the schoolyard in primary school getting called names or it could be um attachment trauma where um, your parent or caregiver at the time um, wasn't actually attuned to your needs so they weren't providing adequate care and you had to learn to either um, suppress your emotions or act out to get what you needed so there's different types of trauma um, and how those types of traumas might show up is in the way you behave now so the beliefs you hold about yourself so if you're showing up in the world um, and always shying away from things because you have that self-belief that you're not good enough well if you if you like 
take that back a few years and if you go all the way back to childhood, how were the people around you showing you that you were good enough? Um, so trauma can show up in the present day in all sorts of shapes and forms. But if we start to do EMDR together, we'll tend to look at these things that are happening in your present day and then we'll go back in time and see what sort of what link there are between those two things. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting process. And yeah, it's, it's usually not the, the things that you necessarily um, pick. Like you, you think trauma is this, this big, big thing, but um, lots of the times when we go back to childhood, it's that they didn't feel they were loved or they didn't feel they were good enough. So they have to um, try harder at school to get approval or they have to um, make sure they're always people pleasing and things like that. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, Because I think one of the things you mentioned was that um, one of the things you found is that people sometimes would come to you with ADHD, uh, with attention deficit, uh, was it hyperactivity disorder? Yep, yep, that's it. Yeah, and you would, uh, instead of, I mean, partially, yeah, you can look at ADHD, but you said that in some cases, if you treated the underlying trauma that the ADHD would um, you know, would, would lessen or, or disappear? Like what, can you tell us a little bit about that and what, what do you think is going on there? Well, I think there's a mixture of two things. So uh, ADHD on its own comes with uh, a whole heap of symptoms and challenges for the person. Um, but if you track back, just like you would any other person, there's usually traumatic things that might've happened when they were young because ADHD, uh, it's, it's inherited so someone in your family was likely to have it so if you have a a parent caring for a a young person who has um adhd there's going to be misattunement so there's going to be issues um around attachment and bonding and um the right caregiving at the right time because of just the nature of the two mixing together um so yeah i'm a trauma therapist so i I'm always looking at, well, what is going to be influencing their behaviour now? What's happened to them in the past? It could be um, showing up from in the present day. But also having that mix of um, trauma therapy with the right behaviour modification. So you need to be doing the trauma work in the back, but then looking at what's happening in the present day and then also considering the future. So the three things uh, are all linking together. Because if you do the trauma, but then you don't address the present, um, you you might get a reduction in symptoms, but life doesn't actually change all that much. Um, so it needs to be the, the previous stuff, present, and then in the future. Got it. No, that makes a ton of sense. That's a really interesting observation that, yeah, if the parent had ADHD, then they would almost definitely not be attentive enough, you know, to the, to the needs of the child and that would carry through. And, um, yeah, that's really fascinating. Or, or it could be the opposite because they're aware that their attention tends to waver. They could be focusing really intently on their on the their young child or the person that they're caregiving for, and then that comes across as sort of smothering, and then the the child might end up with a um, some sort of avoidant or anxious attachment style because of the way they were cared for in the opposite. Yeah, so it can show up in different sorts of ways. Yeah, that's really, it's a challenging balance, isn't it? Um, so one of the things that a lot of um, 
the people probably listen to this will deal with is, well, I mean, that, I mean, I guess 100% of us deal with some level of, you know, childhood drama, even if our parents did our best. I mean, you've got, you know, a dozen teachers maybe throughout the, your high school, you know, hundreds of children you'll interact with. So, you know, quite apart from getting lost at the shopping center or whatever it may be, um, <clears throat> even in the most minor cases, I guess we'll all have some level of, you know, trauma, as you say. Um, but even, you know, I talked to someone yesterday who was, a, you know, someone who's focusing on, um, neuroscience and attention and all these kind of things. And she was saying that we're almost all because of the nature of the world today with all these screens and social media and, you know, telephones, we're almost all training ourselves to be somewhat ADHD um, and have issues focusing. And so it seems like that might be one of the other, you know, afflictions that's going to start afflicting, you know, all of us in some capacity. So I know that, you know, you've been talking to me about, you know, you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs to sort of help them dial in their ADHD. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, maybe some actionable tips about, you know, how we know we have, how one knows they have ADHD, um, how to, uh, you know, how to sort of, you know, wh whether you think that is actually like a, <clears throat> you know, like a disorder or whether it's just like a, a disposition, whether we should try and like, you know, rein it in or try and play to our strengths. Like, what do you think is, um, is going on there? And, and what advice would you give to someone who maybe has issues um, focusing or feels like they've got a bit of ADHD going on? Yeah. Yeah. So, Usually, the people that I talk to in my practice and in the, the ADHD community, they've probably thought this about themselves for a long time. So it's not usually something that just pops into their mind and they've suddenly just got this idea that they're, they're ADHD. They would have felt different in some way. They would have um, had a lot of lifetime struggles with certain um, things like focusing or impulse control or there's a lot of comorbidities with like anxiety and depression or substance abuse so hmm. you would look back at their history and those things would tend to show up a lot but some of the the common signs of um adhd showing up for people would be things like um they might avoid difficult tasks so if there's uh, a task that's really um they just can't tolerate maybe it's the, doing the dishes because they're going to sit there and they've got to scrub all the little bits off there they will just avoid that and that will just become this really big thing that they build up in their mind because they actually can't sit there and tolerate it because they have a, a low tolerance for things that they they don't like so mm -hmm. things like that they can become a big issue but the common things are so if it's the inattentive side uh they might often miss details or make careless mistakes um, they might fail to listen appropriately or they, they have poor follow-up or they might not be able to finish tasks that they set out to do. They always tend to be losing items or, um, and they find they've actually got their keys in their pocket but they've been looking around the house for an hour, um, things like that. And if they're on the hyperactive side, they, um, they might blurt out answers um, when it's not actually their turn. They might uh, be getting up in meetings at the office and going over and watering the plant while everyone's looking at them going, what are you doing? Um, and they, they tend to be feel like they're driven by a motor. So they're always sort of like going, 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 trying to get the next thing done. So they're the, the ways it tends to, to show up um, yeah, in their life. Uh, if they want to explore this uh, more, they should speak to their doctor and get a referral to a psychiatrist who could do a, a comprehensive assessment. But if they're interested in um, just working out what some of the strengths and characteristics of it is, I can um, shoot you an email at the end of this gap. We've just um, created a, a quiz for people so they can go in and work out what are their 
uh, unique ADHD strengths and challenges and mm. what are the sort of shadow sides of both of them so they can work on that. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah, that's an interactive quiz would be awesome. Um, yeah, very interesting because it's like, you know, one of the things I do when I work with clients is I actually, I think, yeah, you were a client at one point. We, I took yeah. you through it is um, do like a personality test, you know, like and we, I use big five and yeah. you've got obviously the openness spectrum between closed and open and, um, uh, you know, high openness is creativity, uh, you know, desire for novel experience, um, all these kind of things, um, which make life interesting and in many respects worth living. Um, and then on the close side, you've got, you know, the desire for repetition, desire to sort of, you know, repeat constant tasks, like, you know, dislike of change. Um, and I obviously was trained as a lawyer, a lot of my family are lawyers and accountants and all this kind of stuff, and even engineers, and we will fall on the close side of the spectrum, you know what I mean, where it's like, we'll order the same coffee, order the same meal, you know, I wear like pretty much all my clothes are black, blue or white, you've, you've seen me walking around, you know, just don't like change like much at all. Um, and of course, you know, that's I surround myself with lots of very, very creative, you know, you could call them open um, people, um, you know, maybe even they'd call ADHD, but they're such fascinating people. And they've always been the people I sort of surround myself with almost balance out my opposite of, uh, of ADHD, which is just too, sometimes just too conservative. And it's, I think it was um, Jordan Peterson said, you know, if you don't have any of that sort of openness in your spectrum, um, nothing interesting ever happens to you. You know what I mean? It's like, you just, yeah. you do the same thing and nothing. So it's like, I think there's some really interesting um, traits there. And funnily enough, you know, Shannon lives in the same you know, town as me. And we ran into each other yesterday and we were talking about how, yeah, this sort of like disorder paradigm or this like strengths paradigm. And absolutely like in this sort of, you know, modern world, you need to make a living. You need to certainly just repeat a lot of tasks. And so ADHD can definitely get in the way of that. Um, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's why I think maybe we have some of this starving artist um, you know, archetype where you'll have some people who are always doing interesting things, but never long enough to get that traction. Like, is that, have you found that to be the case where you think that some of these things are, are related or what do you, what's yeah, your take on it? I think, yeah, if the, the person is like jumping from one project to another project, but not grounding themselves in one sort of big mission or one big goal, like their work can be very scattered and I think you need to have like a focus or something to refer back to because otherwise um, you'll you go down one path and you'll get halfway down and you, you'll go down another path, maybe a quarter way down, and none of these paths you're actually getting to the end. So no projects ever eventuate in their full capacity and you're not actually getting to the place where you get to reap the full rewards of what you, you can accomplish. So, yeah, I think it's you've raised a really good point, ADHD, you're always looking for that bright, shiny object to keep yourself interested and engaged. But, um, yeah, I think if you're, if you're training yourself to be really the best in your field or um, to work at your full capacity, you need to be able to um, reel that in and um, work out what are your actual value-based goals and what, how do you want to see your life in five years? Do you want to see half-finished projects or are you going to be training yourself to come back in to the here and now and really make sure you're defining what's the right path for you because yeah like five years can go pretty quickly and you can yeah. have done 10 different um, pretty cool like projects but you haven't actually reached your desired outcome yep yeah totally no no i can definitely um definitely empathize with that and uh 
yeah, you can enjoy that novelty, but after a point, you know, maybe it happens with age. You're just like, oh, I'm too old for this shit. You know I mean? Like you're just like, uh, like uh, another, you know, starting again or starting another project and yeah. getting, you know, if it's business, you know, getting those first few customers and it's like, there's a thrill, but boy, it can, uh, you know, yeah. it can certainly tire you out after a while. How do you go working with um, essentially the opposite? Because I remember when you, you gave me that, um, the big five questionnaire, we were looking at it together and you, you said that to me, you said uh, you're basically the opposite. I was like at the extreme end of openness and you were the, the other end of the spectrum. And I always score that um, sort of high on this one sort of category, um, novelty and um, liking bells and whistles. Um, and I've had to learn to hone that in, but you're, you're the opposite. How do you open up and how do you work with all these other opposites? Um, that's a great question. So yeah, I think naturally I was probably on that somewhat more conservative style um but uh you know i was at a law firm uh, actually well yeah just i was doing law i was at consulting firms all these big sort of firms and i just basically went to the partners and i asked them and i was just like oh yeah and, you know it's like do you regret what you did or like what do you what's your advice and they were kind of just like to be honest with you i had more fun when i was just like young and traveling like i don't really i got all the money on it i don't really know even what to do with it anymore um and i was like oh okay fair enough so i should probably just kind of i kind of just do the opposite of what i want to do sometimes um <laughs> which is weird because some, it's like, I know that sometimes people have opportunities and it's like, they really want to say yes to them. A lot of the time opportunities will come past me and I'll be like, I can't really be bothered. I don't really want to do it. Um, but I'll just do it anyway. You know what I mean? So I kind of have to ignore that impulse to not to say no and just be a no man and be a yes man instead. So it's just kind of knowing when to ignore your, you know, your tendencies. Um, and that's led me down some really interesting paths. You know, it's like, I, I think, um, you know, Colton, obviously the other co-host of this, he asked me, I think what was, like my proudest achievement, I said, the proudest is when I've actually, you know, ironically done the opposite, is walked away from things that I should have finished, right? Like I had a law degree, I was five years done, I had one year left to go and I just walked away from it. Um, and it's kind of like, um, yeah, and because you can go the opposite direction, it's kind of like you talked about these spectrums of being like hyper-focused or hyper, um, you know, uh, or hyper-scattered. And I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said for for balance. And funnily enough, the name of your, of your practice is, of course, called Create Balance psychotherapy yeah. you know um and that's a lifelong thing like trying to get balance in our lives because what one part of our life we will be all in on um sort of avoiding those things and we'll be going through a, a phase of uh, looking inward and then next thing you know we will be out in the world trying to build big projects and collaborate with people so i think it just yeah ebbs and flows and you, you kind of go through different phases and yeah and it's it's interesting your path um because i don't know too many people who have got to the to like the the end part of a, a law degree then changed and become a, a marketer essentially and working with executives and um doing all this entrepreneurial stuff most people um once they're that deep in it they've pretty much been conditioned by law school to be a lawyer yeah, well, I mean, it's their golden handcuffs, right? And you can have this a lot of um, a lot of the time. Not to say that you one doesn't enjoy law. I mean, some people probably do. Just um, I just had a feeling that uh, you know it wasn't going to be for me. And uh, I think after all these years of spending time with um, much more interesting and creative people than myself, I've uh, gradually gone up to. I think I'm on the on the openness spectrum. I'm at about thirty eight percent now. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good for me. You know? um, oh, it sounds like a good balance. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. Um, but, uh, but no, it's been good. And I think you hit, you hit another really important point on when you said, you know, setting values-based goals um, instead of sort of setting, you know, external-based stuff. You set, 
you know, values that are important to you and try and, uh, and go for those. And because fun and enjoyment is one of my values, it's like you just have to, um, you have to invite some chaos into your life to have, you know, fun and excitement. So, yeah, totally. Um, and I'm probably guilty of this one. Like I, I get hyper focused on my work and that becomes like my main driver. But if I really looked within, uh, my values might be a, a bit of a misalignment there. So I have to check myself on that too, to make sure I'm um, actually doing the things that I want. So like someone who's been a, um, a competitive skateboarder when I was younger and then snowboarding, I'm, I'm always into action sports and doing that sort of stuff. But um, m- most of my days are spent uh, in front of a computer these days. So yeah. That's not really aligned with who I am. So I, I have to mm. really check in on myself about those sorts of things. Mm. There you go. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. How did, how did, how did that eventually? It's a competitive skateboarder. Like what, um, how did that all start? Um, so I started skateboarding around the age of eight or nine, I believe. And yeah, I think it was the, the ADHD hyper-focusing. So, um, I found that I was able to do it quite well. And, and then I became actually quite really good at it and became sponsored. And because I was absolutely relentless and I was just there every day, just focused because it's a, such a stimulating sport and there's mm. an element of danger, there's an element of impulsivity, and then there's calculated risk-taking. These are all sort of my specialties and I thrive on that sort of stuff. And, um, I just couldn't get enough of it. So yeah, for 15 years or so, I would compete a lot and travel around and yeah, um, had a few sponsors along the way and did that sort of thing. But yeah, then the, the later teen years come along and um, you start to meet girls and start to <laughs> go out and get a license and yeah, slowly. Um, I still skateboard now. Um, I, I've got an electric skateboard now for, for old men and um, <laughs> I, I get my two-year-old daughter Lucy on it with me and we, we cruise the streets together. So I'm still, nice. still young at heart. Love it. Love it. So that's interesting. So what is the, and I know we've talked about this before offline. So what is the relationship between ADHD and flow states then? Because it sounds awfully like you say, you know, that when you get on a skateboard, you know, and you have those, those factors, risk, impulsivity, you know, high richness of, uh, you know, stimulation, it like creates a flow state. Is that what people with it, you know, what's going on there in your opinion? I think they're similar. Yeah. I think that um, people with ADHD who uh, are able to access hyper-focus they're they're doing very similar things so um the hyper focus for someone with adhd is not something they necessarily have to work really hard to to do um they just have to have something that's um really interesting and novel and kind of unique to them and then they can just go into it so i was able to i still have many things i can hyper focus on but skateboarding was one where it was just yeah as soon as i'd get down to the place or the skate park or the the street spot that we were at i would be able to get into that state and um i, rem- I can like picture moments of being a young guy and just everything working um perfectly and like all the tricks it wasn't even like i'd have to think about it things would just happen 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 and i could go on a run like that for like maybe a couple of minutes where everything was happening perfectly and i wouldn't actually be having to put much effort into it so yeah there's some remarkable states that you can get into when you you're fully dedicated to that uh, one sport or that one thing mm. very interesting so 
like in your in your programming when you work with people who come to you with issues focusing because i've thought about this extensively um is the issue that the person isn't doing something that is flowy enough right that gives them enough flow or is the issue that with the person themselves so if i came to you and said look you know, I'm having issues focusing on, because I, to the, yeah, here's the other thing, actually. You, you asked me, like, why I sort of stopped doing law and, um, you know, accounting and, and all that kind of stuff. I, honest to God, I would sit at the, like, I just used to fall asleep in every law lecture and I would fall asleep at work, um, you know, at these big accounting companies, like, just fall asleep. Like, I was, I felt really bad and I tried to even sit at the front of the lecture hall. So, because, you know, so I wouldn't like fall, uh, fall asleep, but I'd fall asleep, like, literally in front of the lecturer. And I was just mm. like, crap. I mean, maybe I need to change like what it is I'm doing to be more interesting, which is why I went into, you know, entrepreneurship and which is just inherently more risky and more stimulating and more like demanding. So when someone comes to you with these issues, do you kind of help them design a more high flow lifestyle or do you help them design, like, you know, change their, their habits and stuff to, to cultivate those states in different tasks? Like what, how do you look at that? Yeah. So our program that, that we've developed, it's um, so ADHD ambition master, mastering your habits for um, success. And that whole program, it, it's based around the idea of creating habits. So a habit being something that you can do without consciously having to think about it too much. It doesn't require willpower alone because um, willpower, it's one of those things that can fluctuate. Sometimes you've got a lot of it and other times you've got none. So if we've got like a, a real habit, it's, it's happening quite easily so mm. that's part of the program but our program um covers a lot of things so it, it, it starts off with what are your uh what's your self-perception like how do you mm -hmm. see yourself in the world uh what are your beliefs how do you think the the world sees you and how do you interact from those levels so we start to unpack some of that stuff which is trauma-based sort of stuff so we're we're mm -hmm. sort of getting a bit of a sense of what that is and then we move into um well what are you actual symptoms so it might be um i struggle to uh read books i um i'm always forgetting things and i i i gamble too much because my impulse control is no non-existent so then we start to well look at how do we make those things um not as accessible through habits so if you're doing oh, yeah. like a habit audit um, you would be reverse engineering that habit. So if you are a gambler, for example, um, and you, you're always gambling, well, there's a sequence of events that happen um, for you to think about the gambling then to actually be gambling, um, to getting the reward, and then you've done the feedback loop. So if we reverse engineer and we actually make the first step really, really hard, so instead of um, having access to your phone straight away um, to get on there and put a bet on, well, if you've got some sort of software that blocks it, or if you've got your partner holding your phone, or if you've got um, some other uh, barrier between it, that's making the, the first step really, really hard. So instead of it being uh, an automatic thing, you have to put a lot more conscious thought into it. So that's just a, a really simple example of how you can use your habits um, to change them. So reverse engineering them and um, going at them from the opposite direction is one way that we would start to work with someone. But then you've got your, your goals and where they actually want to go. And then you've got things like um, how they communicate with people. So uh, if your communication is um, too direct or you're, you're, you're impulsive and you're sort of 
um, coming across to people as someone who's maybe arrogant or not listening, you're, you're going to be having a hard time in the world. So helping people with those sorts of things and making sure they're doing what's actually important to them. So I think what you were saying, law wasn't important for you. Um, and that was showing up in sleeping in class and um, snoring really loudly in lectures. Um, so, <laughs> um, so that's obviously not your sort of um, the thing that you want to do because you wouldn't be sleeping in there. You wouldn't be sort of doing that. So as hard as it probably was for you to, to say no to that path, um, sometimes you have to say no to really hard things to find what's actually right for you. And I've had to do that myself. Like I was stumbling around life for ages, traveling overseas and living nice lifestyles, um, Canada, then New Zealand, then back to Australia. And I had a, I had a great life, um, but it just didn't feel right in the end. So that's when I started to do this sort of work. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, yeah, the program sounds really interesting, very practical. Um, cool. So, yeah, where can people, yeah, find out more about what you do and, and get help with, uh, you know, sorting out their minds and brains and all, all that kind of jazz? Yeah, What's yeah. the best so place if, to find you? If they're interested in this sort of stuff, so there might be a couple of things that could help people out depending on what part of their journey they're up to. So, yeah, they could jump on our website, um, which is uh, createbalancecourses.com.au. Um, and I'll give you for the show notes uh, a link to our program, ADHD Ambition, or they can find me on Create Balance Psychotherapy and Counseling as well, which I'll, I'll send you some information there. And, yeah, we've got a range of resources and um, free, free resources as well and lots of articles to read up on ADHD and trauma and uh, how to um, hack your mind through um, lasers and mindfulness and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff. Thanks so much for coming on, Shannon. Always a pleasure to have these discussions. And now, uh, you know, this is what we get to talk about over coffee when we uh, when we catch up. So now everyone else is a beneficiary of it too, which I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, super grateful. And yeah, uh, it's been great um, being a client of yours and um, Colton. You guys are legends and you've, you've definitely helped me out. So I appreciate that. My pleasure. All right, guys. Catch you the next one. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Higher Development Podcast. If you want to access free resources and go deeper with us, head to highdevelopmentpodcast.com. As a special thanks for listening to each new episode, we continually update this site with podcast notes, exclusive discounts, free courses, you name it. And as an added bonus, this is where you can submit any questions you may have for myself, Gavin, or any of our featured guests. So what you learn doesn't have to end here. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.